0: Welcome back uh, to State of Serum podcast. Uh, today's episode, uh, a new topic, something that we never talk about and really important and center for everyone. We are really pleased to uh, welcome uh, Constantin Pavleas uh, from Pavleas Avocat. Uh, we are about to talk about all this privacy uh, um, um, privacy data. A uh, lot of questions for, for Constantin to try to explain to... Uh, Help us uh, out there to understand the pro and cons, uh, the, the what's what's the law is is telling us to do, and uh, and uh, help, helping us to understand all these uh, these uh, topics. Um, we prepared a lot of questions uh, for him. So Constantin, welcome. Uh, and uh, just before jumping into the the, the content, uh, Matt, we have a little disclaimer because uh, Constantin is a lawyer, so we have to do a, a little disclaimer on the, on the all our discussion today. Absolutely. So I'm
1: going to start by reading this off just to make sure I get every word correct. Um, And this is important for people to know who are listening in that the information in this podcast episode is provided for general information purposes only, and it may not reflect the current law in your jurisdiction. By listening to this episode, you understand that you are not entering into an attorney-client relationship. So just for informational purposes only, we're going to talk about a lot of interesting things today, but this is in no way constituting uh, legal advice for you. Um, so I think a, a good way to kick it off is we're going to be talking today a lot about data and obviously the regulations that are emerging globally around the use of data, specifically as it relates to individuals. Um, and I think a, a good way maybe, uh, Constantine, to start out would be to understand a little bit more around... Uh, the different types of data that can, can kind of fall into this regulation or potentially out of the regulation, depending upon what we're talking about. So we have personal data and then we have PII or personally identifiable data. So what is the, the difference between those two data sets? And, and is that important for marketers to understand?
2: Yeah, so Matt, thanks for, for the question. And uh, Benoit and Matt, thank you so much for inviting me today. Yeah, I think the distinction is really related to the regulations that we're talking about. And uh, I think maybe the first thing that marketers need to, um, to have in mind is their geographical reach. So uh, if the marketing, and I know that you know today marketers think global, but sometimes it's, uh, uh, it can be regional. Um, or um, you know, you know in, or certain countries, uh, whether with target or the marketing campaign, it's important to understand the, the, the legal uh, so the, the privacy landscape where, where the, the marketer, marketer operates. operates. So where, where the marketer operates in the United States, or where uh, he, he or she operates in Europe, um, the consequences will be, I mean um, the, the differences in regulations will be dramatically different. In Europe, we have the GDPR, I think that by now everyone has heard about the General Data Protection uh, Regulation uh, of 2016 entered, entered into application in 2018. And personal data is really a term that has been carved by um, European data privacy regulations and GDPR, um, which is really inheriting uh, the, the European approach and, and promoting the European approach to privacy. I think the first takeaway for marketers is um, that personal data in Europe is a broad definition um, versus PII. So PII would be the, uh, the way to, to frame uh, the, the personal data in the United States with exceptions but PII, personal identifiable information uh, would relate to a, a defined set of data, like you know, the name, uh, the address, the uh, social security number, the, uh, the uh, credit card number, uh, you would have a certain, a defined set of personal identifiable information. In the United States, across the Atlantic, uh, in Europe, uh, the definition of personal data is broad. So that's the takeaway. Uh, So broad means what? Anything that can directly or indirectly identify the person can can be be personal personal information information subject subject to the European regulation. So, um, um, uh, um, uh, so the uh, the IP address. In certain circumstances, so the the address, um, the IP address with which a device connects to the to the network, can in certain circumstances be personal information. Uh, an image of you can be a personal information. The, your browsing history can be a personal um, information. Your likes on a social network is uh, can be a, a personal information. Biometric data. Um, your uh, your health data, your um, um, uh, your social security number, of course, your credit card number. Um, so the metadata that relate to you and can identify you directly or indirectly. So there, there's no closed list in Europe, and I think that's really an important thing for uh, marketers to consider.
0: Uh, pretty clear. And um, so, yeah, that's what you're saying is that. That's broad in Europe. All this uh, list, uh, you, example you, you were mentioning, that's the case in Europe and the GDPR uh, law. And the PII in the US is more a strict list or something more defined and finished uh, as a as a list of uh, identifier. That's correct. Right.
2: Yeah. That's I think the
0: really 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 interesting. Um, I mean, maybe the the next question is really we are now we have this understanding of the difference of of the, the personal data but uh, we heard about the GDPR for sure we also have this CCPA uh, California uh, protection uh, law uh, there is one in Canada too so what are these the, the difference between this this different uh, law regulation from different areas in, in in the world and and especially in 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 the in the sake of businesses that are operating worldwide yeah they, how, how they need to adapt how they need to adapt to the different laws that's complicated so how what are the differences and how they can really uh, understand and do the, the best they can uh, I mean to, uh, to comply to these different laws
2: yeah so, so I think we're getting to a level of um, specificity and expertise in this area of law where I think the general I mean advice, would be um, that for compliance purposes with privacy laws uh, in Europe, in California, in Canada, in other jurisdictions. I think that um, in today's world, you need legal expertise. I think, um, and I think that's a fair comment to make um, that uh, one wouldn't expect of a marketer to be um, to be a lawyer. However. The, the, the marketer um, uh, would, would need to, to have the right, um, the understanding um, of the landscape, so that they can just have that uh, the notion and the the of where they're going, where where, where uh, if what they're um, envisioning is something that is you know completely within the boundaries of the law, or something that is really challenging, so that at least they understand the landscape, but um i think at the second level would really be in, in, in my, my humble humble opinion, opinion just, just go out and, and see, see you know the, the, have the validation by the by the experts in, in this instance the lawyers but to answer your question i think um the way i view this and i may biased right i'm uh, uh, a french lawyer so in, in europe the way i say this is that gdpr the european regulation is a sort of a golden standard for data privacy and it has been like, you know, are you GDPR grade or are you not GDPR GDPR grade? Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting to see that a couple of years ago where uh, there was a lot of discussions about GDPR entering into application, uh, you had Microsoft, I believe, saying um, our goal is to be GDPR um, um, grade Uh, everywhere, to basically have an approach in other jurisdictions that may not be uh, as advanced in protecting privacy to be a way to raise the standard to the GDPR level. And I remember, um, you know, that that was a statement that was made at the time and it was interesting from a, a lawyer's perspective. So GDPR is to, um, territorially broad as well, right? It covers the 27 countries in Europe, but it also has extraterritorial effect. So, so you're a marketer, a marketer in the U.S., you're a marketer in China, in Russia, in uh, outside of the European Union, and you uh, target. You want to sell products or services to uh, people in the European Union. So, you would be. Uh, caught by GDPR because you are targeting people um, aimed to sell uh, products or services uh, in in Europe. Even though you're based in the other part of the world, uh, you'll be caught by GDPR. If you are also profiling, you're not offering services, but you are uh, running your algorithms to profile uh, European people, um, to uh, predict behavior, analyze and predict their behavior for marketing purposes. If you're doing this, even though you're not directly offering products or services, th- you would also be caught by GDPR even though you are in the United States, in California, in, you know, in New York, in Boston, or in, in, in Shanghai. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. It's not because in today's world, you're based where you're based that you will not be caught by regulations from another part of the world. CCPA, uh, the California Consumer uh, Protection um, uh, Act is, is more specific in terms of, I mean, it's a regional, uh, it's a state, it, uh, these are the privacy rules um, that are in effect in California they uh, uh, apply to for-profit organizations, um, like, like GDPR would apply to anyone processing data, um, to anyone, like to an organi- uh, a non-profit organization, a business, a government, a non-government organization, anyone processing data of, you know, you, of people would be caught by GDPR. CCPA is more limited in scope. it's for, for, for only for profit organizations. Uh, well, maybe getting into the, the details um, and I'm just mindful that I would like to, uh, to before uh, our audience here with legal details but I mean the rights for data subjects are different. There will be more more elaborate um, in, in GDPR. Uh, I think the takeaway here is um, from my perspective that uh, when you target people, when you market services to to other parts of the world, you need to be mindful of privacy regulations in this part of the world, even though you have no physical presence uh, uh, in that part, you're just running your algorithms on a server to profile people. If those people are in the EU, European Union, you are caught by GDPR, for example.
0: Great. And Constantin, so maybe something that's, uh, I mean, we, we, we had a discussion preparing the episode, but uh, that's uh, something that we did not mention and, and that's coming to mind right now is that's, uh, that's my personal case. Uh, so um, I'm French citizen living in the U.S. If a U.S. company is processing my data, what's, what's, uh, what's happening? That's the GDPR because I'm European native or because I'm living in the U.S.? I'm not in the GDPR uh, scope, and and uh, they can process my data as US resident. It's the latter, Bruno. Okay. Uh, GDPR is- fly, fly, so so marketers understand that's I mean European citizens that are living outside of the Europe are not in the GDPR uh, jurisdiction. No, it, it,
2: GDPR does not. Uh, it's not. Um, uh, it's not taking as a, as a, a criterion nationality and citizenship. Yeah. It, it is where you're based. Okay. Now, if Matt, assuming Matt, you're not a European citizen, I don't know, but assuming you're not, assuming you're a U.S. citizen and you travel to Europe and you stay in Europe for a certain period of time, you'll be, uh, GDPR would apply to you and you'll have rights under GDPR. But not okay. in being in the United States um, and living there, GDPR does not apply to you.
0: Super clear. I mean, that's uh, that's really interesting to to uh, to specify to to clarify. That's uh, really interesting. Maybe I have I've maybe one or two uh, two follow up question on, on this uh, topic, uh, and we can highlight that there is there is a difference between CCPA and GDPR in terms of age of consent. Uh, there there is a difference here, and there is another one that I, I feel that it's interesting to highlight too is that. Uh, what is the risk? What are the fines that you? I mean, what's what is the money if you don't res, uh, You you, that will, you have to pay if you don't respect the law. And and again, the difference between the two, uh, the Californian law and and GDPR, there are differences uh, there. So maybe first uh, on the age, um, there there is a difference in my understanding is correct between uh, there is one for sixteen. The consent is at 16 years old and the other one at 13 can you just uh, give a more a little bit more detail on that that's
2: right that's right the, the age of consent the, the age of you know the, the adult consent under gdpr is, is uh, 16 years of age and uh, in the california consumer protection act is 13 years of age so you have differences they're very material because uh, there are a specific set of rules for protecting children um in privacy laws gdpr ccpa um uh, so addressing the, the market for children this is a, a enormous business of course uh, but there's uh, rules that are even more protective and i think as you know i think as citizen we can understand that um but yeah that, that's really a very material uh, point to make yeah.
0: right. um and yeah I mean, having having kids in in this area of age that's uh, that's something that's uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, related to me and like, uh, that's when he's using his smartphone what's the protection uh, uh, of his data uh, on on the internet um, Great. Uh, and so the fines i mean what's the what's the what's the law is saying That uh, if you don't respect and you are you are, you are not respecting the these laws what can be the, 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 the fine, the penalty uh, for, for the company, for the business?
2: Yeah, and, and they're actually very material. I mean, it's not, um, um, it's <clears throat> compliant with privacy laws has really become a um, something that is <clears throat> subject to, to, to fines that are so significant that I think compliance has uh, reached uh, in, in, in many organizations, the C-level uh, people uh, because the because fines are so important. Um, it used to be, uh, if we take some history, of, let's say in France, before GDPR uh, and before certain laws, let's say about seven years, five to seven years ago, the maximum fine was 150,000 euros. Now, for an, uh, for an SME, A small, medium enterprise. It was probably you know significant, but for many companies, global tech companies, those amounts were completely negligible. In today's world, under GDPR, fines can be the higher, the higher of two percent of um, uh, worldwide turnover of the group, two percent or. 10 million uh, euro um, for a certain the lower category of bridges, and for the higher category of bridges, it's 4% of global uh, annual turnover, or 20 million euros, whichever is higher. So those amounts, I mean, for for an international group of companies, 4% of annual turnover is significant, it it can really um, drive your share down, uh, uh, even being under scrutiny by the supervisory authorities in terms of, so you have the fines and you have the loss of goodwill and reputation and all that, that comes along. So it's super significant in today's world. CCPA has a different approach, it's, it's not absolute amounts um, in, in terms of uh, global amount or a percentage of turnover it is a, a number of thousand of dollars uh, per file, um, uh, per, per, per uh, data privacy um, uh, file. And if well, well, depending, depending on the number of, of files that are um, included in the scrutiny um, for breach of the, the CCPA, uh, it can amount to incredible numbers as well. Um, so I think the takeaway here for marketers is that uh, this is really, um, this is not a playground, let's say. It's, it has a, a, an impact and ha- it really has a consequence.
0: Yeah, serious impact, definitely. That's huge. Uh, that's and as you, as you mentioned, that's, uh, I, I was making the calculation, I uh, think that we are talking about thousands of dollar per uh, uh, record that's usually when you are a global big brand a company you have millions of customers on, on your database and if the breach the issue is on like even a portion of it and you are you have an issue on one hundred thousand people times two three thousand pair record uh, of fine i mean you are ending up paying million or dozen of millions uh, of fine and that's i mean that's just you can't just, uh, as you said that in the past, say that, okay, that's that's not important and that can even be anticipated as a marketing budget and we don't want to respect the law. I mean, that's no longer the case and uh, everyone is aware about it for sure. The the, the point is not to say that, hey, wake up, uh, <laughs> that there is something coming new, but uh, that's really important and that's why marketers really need to be aware about this kind of, potential issue and, 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 and uh, an impact on, on, the, on the, the global company if they are not uh, careful with their practices.
2: It's right, Benoît. Maybe just to, to give our audience the figure is uh, under CCPA, uh, $2,500 per record for each unintentional violation, $7,500 per record for each intentional violation. So it really can really yeah. stay there.
1: What would be what would what's the difference between intentional and unintentional? Like, what, do, what does the law mean by that?
2: Yeah, so um, in, in, ge- in general terms, right, I'm not specifically talking about CCPA not being a California lawyer, but an intentional breach would be, um, uh, for example, you very well know that you do not have the right to sell the data because the, um, the consumer in California, for example, has opted out uh, from the, uh, the, the, the right for the marketer to offer the possibility of, of the marketer to sell on the data. Um, and despite that opt out, that clear opt out, the, the, the company has sold on the data. That would be intentional. You knew and you didn't care. I mean, you you basically, over, you've overridden uh, a clear prohibition. You've done it intentionally. Yep. Uh, and intentional would be um, you have been very negligent in the way you have secured the data. Um, you haven't, let's say, that this is, may not be the perfect example under CCPA. There are not specific security rules in CCPA, as far as I know, but. Uh, under GDPR, for example, um, an unintentional breach would be um, you have not uh, put together sufficient security measures to protect the data, uh, although it's, and, and actually GDPR does not really uh, make the distinction between intentional or unintentional. It's really very strict liability. Um, have you done? Have you complied? Yes, no. Whereas in the United States, you have a distinction, intentional, unintentional, which probably plays in favor of the um, of the business because of the, the processor of the data, because most of the time, one may think that, you know, the, non, the violations are unintentional.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And um, you were talking a little bit about opting, opting out. Uh, and kind of giving consumers a little bit of uh, control over their how their data is used. And I know there's some differences between the laws themselves in terms of like how that actually impacts what uh, a company can and can't do. But I think uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, GDPR is very much focused on sort of this idea of opting in and out. And I'd like to get an understanding potentially around. Uh, what does that really mean from a consumer perspective? Like what tools does that give a consumer to either control the use of their data or limit it in terms of what companies are able to do? And are there things marketers, especially that are transacting internationally should know about the differences between the laws and what that means for consent?
2: Yeah, well, that's that's really, um, for marketers, that's a key question. Um, but it's awfully complex to um, the extent that in Europe, you have GDPR, but you also have other regulations like the e-privacy um, uh, directive uh, and you know, the, the European legislator is putting together a new set of rules for e-privacy. What does that all mean? Um, if we just go back to the principles um, with a GDPR focus at first, um, GDPR says, Um, in order to process data, you need to have a legal basis. And a marketer would think, well, the legal basis would be consent. So I need to go out and get consent. I need opt-in or opt-out. That would be, I think, the first thing that we would all think about. um, What is the legal basis? Has the person agreed? Have they consented? But GDPR goes beyond. GDPR, GDPR would say, say you, you have, have the, the right, right to process, process data. You have legal basis if you have consent, consent being the sort of the cornerstone, right? The fun, say foundational legal basis. But you have others, other legal basis. You have the necessity to perform a contract. I'm entering into a contract online uh, to get whatever this book um, and the, uh, the platform requires my name, my uh, uh, the, the, the mail address, the physical address, the phone number, my credit card number. All those data, uh, I don't really need to consent to give them because these are, are required, required for, for another purpose, purpose which, which is the, the performance of the contract, contract I'm entering, entering into. Um, And there is this uh, notion under GDPR that those data that are um, uh, uh, collected and processed for a particular purpose the uh, the controller so the person who processes the 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 data they can only process them for this purpose or a compatible purpose now if the controller gets those data um, to send me the book and they combine those data with an, another data set of my browsing through, you know, you know a, a certain, certain number, number of websites, websites and my likes on my, the social media and my geolocalization and this or that for different apps, and they profile me as a person who likes this book would um, and would like this other book and this other thing and this other thing and uh, frame me in a political, uh, in a social political profile, um, they would need to get my consent or they would need to get some other legal basis and just performance of the contract because they do not need all this information and they do all this processing that has nothing to do with selling me the book. So for I think marketers, the takeaway is there is more than consent as a legal basis for processing data. There can be performance of contract. There can be legitimate interests. I, as a marketer, have a legitimate interest in doing business in, to promote my products. So I do not, do not need to go for opt-in in order to provide information um, to the data subject, to the person in the, in, in the European Union. Um, I have the legitimate interest. However, the person can object, may say, you know what, I don't want to, uh, to uh, I don't basically want to have that targeted advertisement uh, whenever I go online to, to do this or that. I don't care. Um, I, I would opt out. So, legitimate interests, I'm opting out. So, there is this, um, and this is why I said this is a complex matter because you have different rules kicking in. You may have consent, you may have legitimate interests, you may have performance of contract, you may have other legal bases, and all these are caused in relation to the purpose to the actual process and the purpose for which you're doing the processing from the marketer's side. So, there are in certain cases you may have opt outs, in certain cases, you may overrule the opt out when you're a marketer. You may say, What's really you know, wrong about me sending you. Uh, I mean, targeting you online. Um, am I really overreaching and bothering you? And the other person may say the, the data subject may say, "Well, you've profiled me. If you profile me, I can opt out." These are the European rules. So um, that's that's complicated. But um, the takeaway, I guess, is. Uh, the takeaway is in certain cases you may have to go for opt-in in In certain cases and you need you need your legal expertise here to minutely give you you know direction in certain cases opt-out is is okay in certain cases you can override the opt-out in other cases you can't Um, but I think the way you design it and that's interesting. I think this is where um, the, 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 the legal, I mean, the, the, the privacy lawyers and the business lawyers would really be partners to marketers if we take it from that angle, is that uh, with this expertise, you can help the marketer design the campaign, design the marketing offer in a way which is, you know, serves the purposes of the marketer, but also is compliant with the privacy regulations.
0: So, Matt, that's a lot of information so far. Uh, We have more questions coming uh, next, uh, but for now, maybe let's stop here for today. That's the end of part one. We'll uh, do part two and and, and share that with you uh, guys in the audience. Uh, We have, uh, again, more questions for Constantin and uh, we'll see you uh, in a a week uh, for the, the part two. Sounds good.